What's going on, folks? Welcome back to another episode, and allow me to introduce my guest today and welcome him back onto the show. Cyrus, what's going on, man? What's up, brother? What's up? How are you, man? Good to I'm be doing back. great. I'm finally glad we could uh, bang this thing out. I know the two of us have been uh, busy in our own rights doing some things, but um, getting you back on here, I feel like I'm talking to a different Cyrus than the last time you and I spoke. You're in uh, a different iteration of yourself right now. Would you call this Cyrus 2.0 or what iteration are we in? Yeah, since I'm 50, we call it Cyrus 5.0, baby. I want to congratulate you first off, too, because you got a lot of great things going for you right now. You know, first off, I want to start off since we were talking about the iterations of you. The shape you've gone on in the last year is incredible, man. Was there a particular turning point for you to where, you know, you just decided to put your foot down and say, you know what, I want to just do this thing. I want to get into the peak shape of my life. I I just started during COVID, man. Um, It was one of those things. It was like perfect time, perfect amount of time on your hands. It's like, what am I going to do? I just went and bought a 40 pound weight vest and started getting after it, man doing like five miles a day then it turned into 10 and now i try and bike at least 20 a day um you know depending on the day i could do five elliptical 15 bike or 20 bike or however i got to do it or go run outside whatever i got to do i try and culminate up to 20 miles a day that's what i've been doing for for as long as now yeah is there is there a particular program you're doing you're just watching what you what do you eat are you on the keto program man it's a big program <laughs> program. So basically, I just a lot of people been telling me all kind of crap. And I was like, man, that's cool. That's great. I'm just going to do what I know how to do. And uh, as long as I'm feeling good doing it, it's cool. You know, um, stop with the drinking, stop with the smoking. Now no sugar. Um, yeah. It's been quite the journey, man. Been doing like it's been over three years. Uh, sobriety. Um, oh, wow. Good for my you. choice. Um, and then on the other end, sugar has been like over, definitely over a year. I'm not sure how long exactly. And, um, you know, I've noticed some different changes. You know, the older you get, you got to start watching stuff and, and maintaining things because it's really easy to do just one of those things. Oh, I'm just going to stop drinking. That's pretty easy. And I just smoke a whole lot or just stop smoking and drink a lot. You know what I mean? So it's like trying to dig deeper into the psyche of, of a champion, if you will, and say, are those things making me a better person? Do I really know who I am when I'm like that so often? And it's like, when you're making money doing it, and I'm one of those guys that's been paid to drink, literally. Our appearances were the thing back and then. I mean, you could say they were the thing. Well, guess who started the thing? You. I didn't start the damn thing. So, like, when you do that and you really do it for a living, it's not just fun. It's for a living. And... It kind of sucks you in. Mm-hmm. And like I've told other people, like it comes a point in time where you have to think to yourself, am I an alcoholic? Do I drink too much? Do I have to have this? Can I entertain without that? Does that make me the better version of me? What makes me me? And you start questioning these things. This is through the years. Mm-hmm. And I've known alcoholics and I'm friends with alcoholics and I'm not that. I don't have to have it. But you still have to make sure you check yourself and prove it because when everyone's having fun around you and you're having fun too and you're making a lot of money it kind of doesn't make sense to have to check yourself until you really sit with yourself and actually take in yourself and realize that you need to check yourself just like everyone else and so my whole thing is if it ain't broke don't don't have to fix it and so you know it was a real good run your boy had fun (laughs) raged balls 
did everything you could possibly want to do as a man. 50 states, a million times, 27 countries total, Jeez. well over 4,000 gigs. Spring breaks and stuff, too, I have to assume. Like, the PCB was months. a big thing. Yeah. Every year for months, man. And it was just, like I said, it was a lifestyle. It's just what we did. And I don't do spring break. Oh, I'm going to go hang out. Okay, we're going to drink on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. No. I'm going to show up at spring break on a Monday, be hammered out of my mind by noon, and continue banging it out through the night every single night. That was Cyrus. I was known as the party guy. So now I've shifted that and grown up, and now I'm the event guy. So I put on major events that are memorable for people. I don't mm. have to be the life of the party, although I can. I don't have to be the drunkest person at the party, although I choose not to. I'm just trying to come of age and grow up a little bit and, and give the people what they want. And, and what they want is fun through my eyes. Yeah, it's, it's a lot easier to have bad habits than it is to maintain good ones. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And for you it's kind of about like or just anybody in general i mean finding that balance and staying there you know like i've come to realize that with anything you take on in life whether it be hell we we're both on the same wavelength on this one podcasting right in order to stay where you're going you got to apply the pressure with working out apply the pressure and i think that that's a a repetition that you've been able to build sir yeah i mean i i feel like being a man of my word is something that means a lot. And, you know, I tell my woman, we're not going to drink. So she said, okay, I'll do it with you. And the person she is, is you can't just say something and not do it. And that transcended. And, and we came together as like perfect, perfect Voltron. We came together as a perfect monster. And we're able to do these things together and actually enjoy them together. And I think she pushes me. Uh, in all the right categories and I try and push her in all the right categories yet I still try and support her in any way possible and I think in doing so I'm able to just be myself I don't have to worry about being something I'm not and the beauty of it is she didn't know me as all of this she knew me as the person she met really yeah so when you when you first met obviously did you maybe wait a while before talking about maybe your involvement in past like with the shows I'll give you that little story. So kind of goes like this. So I was interested. She was not interested. Um, we communicated back and forth and had mutual friends a little bit. And when a woman's giving you one word answers, hey, what are you doing today? Nothing. And it's silence. Hey, how's it going? Good. <laughs> you going out? No. What are you supposed to do? Like... <laughs> There's nothing there usually. Turn around. So my lifestyle was, you know, people would want, you know, have all these events and I'd be at them and they want, yo, side, come through, bring a bunch of girls or whatever, because that's what I was doing. I started a, a company and I ran events in Santa Monica called the Santa Monica World Tour. And people would come from all over the world and pay me for me to take them out. And there's, you know, eight to 10 bars in the night. You know, you get the VIP treatment the whole night. And it was, you know, it was, it was quite, uh, it, it took care of my pockets for a long time. And that's when I'm at home. That's not when I'm on the road. So that's a whole different kind of thing. You know what I mean? And so yeah. my reputation was I would show up and I would help bring ambiance to the party. And what's a party without women there? So there was that. And she thought that maybe I was messing with all those girls. So that was my thing. And it really wasn't. And um, this one day, we actually, she actually gave me a chance to have a conversation with her at, at a friend's house party. And um, 
we met and we, we, we stared in each other's eyes and talked. Legitimately, you disappeared. Oh, there. I, yeah, I can hear you fine. Okay. So we, uh, we, we spoke and we literally were face to face and eye to eye for, I would say, three and a half hours with literally 10 feet from us, dance competitions going on, people going insane and raging. You know, I had a drink in my hand. I got her a drink or whatever. And we just sat there and talked. And, and, you know, you don't meet women like her all the time, especially in L.A. And um, conversation was amazing. And I was instantly attracted, beyond attracted to her. And I knew at that moment that that would be my wife. Wow. And I, before I got to the car, I text her. I'll never forget that. And I'd never do shit like that. <laughs> Walked away from her. I did the test. No, I even tested her hair. So for me, it's a big thing. You know, LA, everyone's fake everything. Eyelashes, hair, breasts, everything's fake. Oh, yeah. And I was so into her, and I was thinking, I was like, God, your hair is beautiful. I was like, let me see. And I put my hand on the back of her neck, and I was like, and it stayed. I was like, whoa, like it's hers. <laughs> I was sold. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it is what it is, but a lot of women have that. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's just not my thing. Yeah. And so, you know. Uh, a good natural Midwestern girl with a head on her shoulders, that, you know, was perfect for me. I thought she was, she was heaven sent, just for me. Would you say that marriage has made you more grounded in the recent years? Um, I wouldn't say more grounded. I think uh, life came to a point where it had to make a turn. Yeah, and it's going one way or the other, and I chose to go the direction with her. And my life was ready to change. Um, no way I could continue raging the way I was raging. Like, let's just be real. Mm. I was the guy that would go out, do my thing, bang out three bottles. And we do what we call banging bottles before we go into the club. Yeah. So we're going to the club. There's a bottle. It's got to be empty before we enter the club. So, and I don't care if it's me and my boy or me and two other people, whatever it is, we bang bottles. And a lot of times it would be hunter proof. And we don't do the whole mixers and all that shit. That's not how I drank. <laughs> and then I would be up in the morning at 9, 10 a.m. ready to play basketball. And it'd be, it didn't affect me like that. Wow. So I'm doing so. I mean, in time, something's going to happen. Something's got to break. And uh, I decided just to stop. Was there ever any one particular instance when it came to drinking that you could pinpoint right off the bat and be like, yeah, I never want an experience like this to happen again? Or was it just... No. Oh, no, wow. I don't. I never. I don't regret any of that or anything like that. You know, nothing horrible ever happened. So it's like, you know, not only was I lucky, but I had a great time. You know, and, and it's just, you know, I wasn't the most responsible person growing up. I've been on my own since 15 years of age. Um, it is what it is. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm here today to speak about it, and I hope something I'm doing or saying can help others not get into a bad or compromising situation for themselves. Mm -hmm. So it's all a learning process. I don't consider things, you know, like, like I said before, I think I told you this before, I don't make mistakes. Um, there's no such thing as that. It's all yeah. just a learning process. And you will, like you do in a car, approach a speed bump, you slow down, you hit the speed bump, you feel the entire bump the whole time, and then you get right back up to speed. And that's how I live my life. Mm -hmm. Well, one thing that we did just kind of breeze by before that you are doing in your life now is podcasting. So would you like to talk to me a little bit about how you got started with that venture and uh, what exactly your podcast entails? Man, people have been on me for years to start my podcast. 
And um, right before I left for All Stars one, I was talking to Big Boy. I don't know if you know who Big Boy is. He's the radio personality out of L.A. He's huge though. Yeah. Actor. He's he's all over the place. Good friend of mine. He's just like, man, you you you're your own brand, Cyrus. You need to expand your brand and do this podcast thing. And um, it's funny because when I did my first Real World, when I first got done, and I was hit the streets of L.A. and I was out jogging, I remember. It was morning time, and people were coming up to me saying, yo, Side, big boy's talking about you on the radio. He says you need to call him. I'm like, what? Keep jogging. The show had just dropped. Long story short, um, he just wanted to talk to me. We had a little history in high school. Our, our schools got in a big fight together, and I was on the basketball court, and we got in that rumble. He wanted to talk about that, but he also wants to talk about the show. It's just kind of ironic that when I get called for All-Stars right before I leave, <laughs> him about the podcasting thing, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do this. And uh, a producer I worked with for a while back in the day who was over at Warner Brothers for about 27 years has always believed in me and had a few projects that we worked on together throughout the years. It's like 20 years. He's finally like, Cy, I got the concept for you. I think this is great. I have this this white guy comedian. He's dope. He ain't going to really ruffle your feathers, but, you know, he's the one white comedian that's always at the black clubs. Dude's got swag and he's dope. He ain't got swag like the look. He got swag like the voice in his game. And I was like, let's do it. And he's like, you know, they figured they put together the, the reality star with the comedian and we would kind of mesh. And honestly, um, another match made in heaven, man. This guy is so crafty, so witty and just does his thing. And we bring together the reality of comedy within sports. And so we basically take the sport and dissect the entire life of athletes, not just the game. Whatever's happening outside of that, too. We want to get in there and. and and see what we can come up with and see what we can talk about. Um, and then also speak to them about different, uh, should we say, current events, um, everything from mental health um, to just athletics and, and how they got to where they were. And um, we just we had on a, a, a senior provost from the University of Missouri. Wow. Mental health. We had him on. And that was an amazing conversation, being that all the things that are taking place in pro sports right now with but Ben Simmons and and the Embiid's like and Tyrese, like all this stuff is so much that needs to be talked about. Um, and it's good to hear from not only people that are normal people, but also people that are professionals in certain fields that will actually open up to us and give us a taste of their minds. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually glad that uh, it seems like an entertainment, both sports and reality TV. I think that there's a certain turn being taken towards taking mental health more serious. I think yeah. That that's Yeah. I think we all should. I mean, it's been something that's been joked upon. And, you know, honestly, in the black community, it's been looked at as a weakness. And, mm. and you know, you can't you can't be emotional as a man. You you can't ever cry. You can't ever talk to people about your issues. It's always been that kind of thing in the hood. That's the way it was. And I was kind of raised like that. But I'm a little different. I, I wear my emotions on my sleeves. And 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 I got to where I've gotten today because I am able to express how I feel to people. And I'm the epitome of what reality is, because I pretty much am real in everything that I do, everything that I say and everything that I'm about. I present that and, and it's given me a voice from day one. And I continue to have that voice. Well, how do you feel about how reality has evolved as a genre now? Because when I talk about this topic with some of my other old school guests, we talk about how like reality TV kind of now feels like it's taken on more of a name than it really has a... Uh, a meaning i feel like now 
it's more so established people coming on and kind of more so looking to build a brand than have real you mean conversations. All reality TV or just the challenges? Recently? All reality TV, I would say. Well, I think reality TV is different. It's not like just reality anymore. It's now scripted reality. Yeah. For the most part. And you have to, you can't, that's not, the, that's not what I did. Mm-hmm. I didn't sign up for someone to tell me what to do. I signed up to be me and do me. And that's what I did. And that's what I continue to do now. There are people that try and act a part and act a character and do that kind of thing on these shows, which is cool. I'm not knocking anyone. If that's your thing, that's your thing. And it definitely shows that there's been a turn in reality TV. You know, I don't, I don't think it's really what we did. But I don't really knock it either because it's being pushed at us as the same brand. So I can't hate it. But I also can't hate like it's like sports. You can't hate on these new school athletes. I don't think they're as talented. Period. But they're way more athletic. And it's like the kids oh, yeah. put on the show now. I don't think they have as much substance. But there's a lot of really good looking kids out there. <laughs> <And> <laughs> you got to kind of weigh it sometimes. Yeah. And that's. The route that it's taken, and I'm fine with that. You know, I think it all boils down to social media too, though. You got to remember though, like when Boston was uh, first up and kicking, you guys didn't have Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. I had a fucking two way pager, bro. That <laughs> that's how they kept track of us. Yeah, I mean, if that stuff had been around then, I'd be the twenty million dollar, twenty million follower guy for sure, hundred percent. But you, pro- you probably would have been uh, the Corey of uh, that generation. I'm not sure what that means. Um, <laughs> it's cool. Corey's got Corey's got working on three kids now, so I'm not sure if oh, I'd be the Corey. Maybe in a different regard, but. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think, uh, yeah, it would have been totally different, man. People would have looked at us a lot differently nowadays, too, though, because they would have got a real glimpse into things that we were doing and how things were. And like I said, back then it was a little different. There was no reality celebrities and celebrities. There was just celebrities. And they looked at us like we were them and and vice versa. And so those experiences are slightly different now. Do you feel like maybe reality stars were respected more seriously back in the day is what you're trying to say? Maybe than what they are now? I think someone will go on a dating show now and think it's a legit reality show that has longevity. And people are going to know why. I'm going to be famous the rest of my life. And they fucking don't know who you are in a month. That happens. And it just depends on the branding, not only of the person, but of the show as well. Our show was clearly a strong branding uh, as far as real world went and as far as the challenges go. And so people kind of can resonate with the way we get down as opposed to some dating shows. Some dating shows, there is a little bit of love and they will get a few years out of it. But for the most part, you can't always put a reality show and a dating show on the same level. But they do. Once again, we can't control how they try and group the stuff together. If, if I was on a dating show, fuck, I'd be yelling reality TV all the way. Oh, yeah. To, to reach those benefits. So you can't really knock them for it. But at the same point in time, it's kind of like like us with, with actors. When reality came out, actors were had their noses turned up to us like, hmm, like they're no good. Like, we're way better than them. We studied. Okay, well, why am I taking half your jobs? <laughs> it it kind of broke down like that. And then they didn't like us because we were taking half their jobs. And it was just a different kind of thing. And now it's like, you know, it's plateaued off and we're working just like other actors and we have to work for those positions just like they do. Did you try to dip off into acting or any other ventures immediately? I tried to dip off. I started there. Really? I've been acting since I was a child. It's not like something new. I was on Baywatch. That was my summer job. 
for when I was in college playing basketball in Hawaii, Baywatch is my home beach in Santa Monica. Wow. That's where the beach is. And that's, you know, Hasselhoff's and all that. Pamela Anderson grew up with all that stuff. That's what got me into doing nightclubs, by the way. So working on set for Baywatch, I would get all the numbers of all the girls working there and invite them to my <laughs> night. You may have heard of the world famous uh, Century Club. Los oh, yeah. Dr. Talks about in his song, my bell up in the Century Club with my jeans on and my theme song and go home with, yeah, that song. Um, I was one of those guys bringing people to that club. And in fact, I had a, a, a lady contact me last year or during COVID, and she's basically like, thank you for putting me through law school. Wow, that's so incredible. She worked for me and bring all of her people into my club, and we would pay her. And it was quite lucrative at the time. Did you have TV aspirations then when you uh, were trying out for the real world initially? I was trying to get on as a casting assistant. So when I graduated college, I was just looking for a job because I was the first in my family to graduate college. You know, let's get a job. Let's do what we're supposed to do. The American dream. Right. And it wasn't that easy to get a job. And I was at the basketball courts playing ball, bitching to the cats on a regular. And they got sick of hearing me. But at the courts who I play at is, is very it's, it's amazing where I play at. But they're just like, look, man, I don't know what's going on. You can get this job here. There's a casting assistant. Call this number. Go here. Get a job. It's like, I just want to make 24 racks a year. I don't even care. Put me on the map. And this is back in the day, bro. And uh, as long as I have medical insurance, get my teeth fixed or whatever, whatever happens, happens. It's what I wanted. And I went in for that interview. And long story short, I did everything you could possibly do wrong in an interview. And then I end up telling my life story. And by the end of it, watching them laugh and watching them cry for about three and a half hours, uh, I was asked to go on the show. Do you remember what? Uh, oh, it was like so tears of uh, laughter. It wasn't like tears of crying. It was both. I was really? my life story is pretty out there, bro. And um, I'm writing my book still currently trying to get that done. And uh, it just goes through my entire life experiences. Um, and I take you on a ride, just like I took them. And, and they kept trying to dig deeper. They wanted to tell me something interesting about yourself. I was like, well, you know, I went to college in Hawaii. That's pretty great. You know, full scholarship. First of my family graduated. They're like, oh, cool. Tell me more about yourself. I'm like, well, fuck. I moved out of the house in 10th grade. Um, been on my own ever since. They're like, okay, well, tell me more about yourself. And I was like, shit. What else do I have? So I went back to the day I was born. Um, I was uh, the the hearse or ambulance gave out a gas on this dirt road and um grandma says i popped out like a bottle of champagne didn't really wait my dad passed out i popped out literally like that they laid me in the thing my <laughs> so I had a head flat in the back they sat me on the the back console and there's a, a little pinto driving down the dirt road they flagged them down and five of us squeezed into the pinto and drove to the hospital and they thought i was going to die they cut the cord in the parking lot because I literally looked like I was dead or whatever. And they ran me in first and then they brought mom in and they thought like I was going to die. And so I came in a world with the bang. I started my story there and led them all the way up to the present. And they went on the ride with me. And that's how I got on the show. Next how, thing I knew, I was in the semifinals. Yeah. How, how come you did uh, leave your house at 10? Um, so many insane environmental distractions like i was 15 years old and uh there was a couple of crazy happenings one um, I, would, I would take the bus so 
Stepdad went to jail. Um, he brought crack to L.A. back in like 75, 76. And uh, long story short, he was on that stuff. He just passed like two years ago. Wow. And uh, so he went to jail. My mom lost everything and we became homeless. Uh, then we moved to the hood. We finally got a spot in the hood, Inglewood. They called it Ingle Watts back in the day. It was a bad area. It's near where the stadium is now. But back in the 80s, horrendous, bro. So one day, a car was driving down the street, and it got shot up and crashed into our gate and sat there. And I'm looking out the window. I'm like, okay. And you see people walk up to the car and just shoot the guy. It's like, fuck. So when the streetlights came on back then, the cops wouldn't come. It was like the war zone. So it sat there overnight. I go to school two hours early to take the bus to Santa Monica, because that's where I'm from. On the way to the bus, I see the fucking guy in the car dead. Wow. Go to the bus, get on the bus, go to school. A little bit after that, um, I get on the the city bus. It was the RTD, the rough, tough, and dirty, they called it. I go halfway back because I ain't no punk, but I ain't no wimp. I ain't going to sit in the front either. So I'm like halfway back. And these fools get on the bus. They don't pay the bus driver. He starts kind of talking shit, trying to get him off. Turn around, they beat the shit out of him. Threw his ass out the bus. One sat down to drive the bus. The other one pulled out a gun, told everybody to get naked. And was basically going to take everybody's shit. And I was halfway back watching what was happening. Fuck, we pushed to the back. And the dude's driving the bus now. So <laughs> we're going down Century Boulevard. And I remember thinking, the old school windows, you would have to pull up a lever like this. And then it opened outward like that. And so as soon as someone opened that fucking thing, I'm out. They got that shit open like maybe, maybe a half a mile down the way. And I just dove. And like a bunch of people dove out the window. I banged my shoulder up. Remember, I walked home. I said, Ma, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And I had to get out of there. And I moved to Santa Monica with, with a friend of mine who was still a prominent member of my life and uh, helped me through some really tough times. And um, basically, it was the real world before the real world. I was living with, with three other young athletes uh, and an aspiring agent. Wow. And his, his, his uncle was the owner of the Lakers at the time, Jerry Buss. That's crazy, dude. I could, I can't even imagine. You, you, you're imagine this. It gets, it gets better. All the Laker girls lived in my building. Well, I can, I can imagine that. That's something I want to imagine. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I bet like the real world, like the show, probably paled in comparison to then what you had already dealt with. So I mean, walking into that environment, I mean, you're just pretty much meeting uh, different people from other walks of life in a sense. But um. Well, that's that's kind of what my city's about, man. Santa Monica's just like that. Like a lot of people don't know, I went to Celebrity High School as well. They call it. So everyone from Dean Kane to Charlie Sheen, uh, Lenny Kravitz, um, Carson Daly was a real good friend of mine. Yeah. Like all these people went to my school. Like it was the norm. It wasn't like something different. I go play ball now. You know, everyone shows up. Like it, it's the most random thing ever. My city. And I build it on the show as one of the best cities in the world. And uh, I'll always feel that way about Santa Monica. But it's one of those things that's changing and morphing into something different now than it was. But, yeah, it's. um, Growing up in Santa Monica, and I owe a lot to the Santa Monica Boys and and Girls Club. It's called that now. It's called the Santa Monica Boys Club back then. But that was pretty much my dad. And I had some major influences come out of there, too. And it took care of me, man. It sent me to some places that I would have never been to go. And I was able to see things that a lot of people were never able to see at a young age, man. Um, 
when I say I lived in the hood, went through all that stuff, people think, oh, I had a horrible childhood. No, no, no. I had an amazing childhood. I saw my first dead body at nine years old. But I had an amazing childhood. And it was all encompassing. And, and I grew up faster. But I had a blast, man. It was a very neighborhoody neighborhood in Santa Monica. I still speak to half the friends that I had back then, bro. It's 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 crazy. Like to think that I'm still talking to people from the third grade on the regular is nuts. We still see each other all the time. I still got my 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 best friend from 1976. We still talk on the regular. I was the best man in his wedding. Wow. You know, see bro, each other all the time. So that, like, that's, that's pretty admirable, dude. Because there's people that like you know I know from like high school that I don't even talk to anymore. So the fact that you're keeping up with people from like third grade is like. Pretty remarkable, especially considering the you know trajectories your life's taken. You know, you could easily, I feel like, be in a position to where you're like, you know what, oh, I don't want to fuck with this person and just go on your merry way. But you seem to keep That's not me, dog. I keep it real, man. These people yeah. meant a lot to my life. They mm-hmm. helped make me the man I am today. Like it's you don't understand. Like I still get chills even thinking about just the friendships that I still have in my life. I think it's a it's an amazing thing. Like. Who did I talk? I talked to Brandon Labrie yesterday. He now he now runs the athletic department, San Monica Boys and Girls Club in the city of Santa Monica as well. Still talk to him. I saw his dad, his mom, and his two brothers. Like we still talk to each other. It's crazy. And that's he sent me my third grade picture the other day. It's in my phone right now. I'm like we're just cracking up. Like bro, look at your hair. Look at your collar. What are you talking about? Like <laughs> teacher. Like it's hilarious, bro. Uh, went to grad school. Like I still speak to all those people, man. I, I think there's a lot to be said um, when you still keep in contact with people that you grew up with, and they appreciate you for what you are. And I'm still just fucking Cyrus to them. They don't get yeah. same nicknames. Somebody called me Freefall the other day. My nickname was Freefall because my head was flat in the back, and <laughs> Magic Mountain came out with some new ride called Freefall, and uh, they called me Freefall forever. <laughs> <laughs> So you obviously make your reality television debut on The Real World Boston, which is a very popular season, which I don't think fans really remember how popular Real World Boston was, because I don't know if you remember this or not, but I had a March Madness Real World bracket about two months, a month and a half ago, and you guys got balanced by Key West in the first round, and we had people on every social media platform going like, did they watch this show? Because you know why they bounced us though, right? Recency the banana. bias. The yeah, banana, the, banana. Dog, the banana's huge. You can't if you it's like if you put us up against anyone else, we would have floated through that like like UCLA did. <laughs> but unfortunately, us against the banana. Well, I mean, you just recently had a you you were on his show, right? You were on the I'm first on this weekend, man, on Saturday night after Saturday Night Live. This coming up Saturday. I'm on a first look with Mr. Johnny Bananas having a blast. Wow. <laughs> we had a really good time, man. I've known him for a long time, too. And his roots are in Santa Monica, too, a little bit. His mom actually started the the, the famous, um, what is it? Uh, what is it when you, when, you, when you sell food? What is it called? All local farmers. Farmer's Market. She started um, the Farmer's Market at Santa Monica Promenade. Um, it actually got really famous when those. This is nuts. There's a, a an older gentleman that went crazy and mowed, ran over a lot of people at the promenade at that thing. The guy that did it, guess who he was? Who? My tutor in high school. <laughs> the correlation here, man. It, it got stuck. <laughs> he took out a bunch of people, bless their souls. 
like literally killed a lot of people. But um, Johnny Banana's mom put that whole thing together back in the day. You guys ever talk about that? Of course. We have a little history all the time. Bananas, he'll be out and about. You know, I'm having a big event. I don't know if you've heard, but I want to invite you and uh, okay. anyone else, any fans of the show or your show can come out. Um, I'm having a huge event for the viewing and the first week of the All-Star Challenge 3. It's a big one, man. I yeah, think this... the All-Star 3, baby, is going down. So I'm having a nice banger for it. I do some amazing parties. I'm sure you've heard. Um, always at an iconic location and always bringing out tons of reality personality. A few celebs, a few athletes will be there. But the location, 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 baby. I'm killing them with this one. Killing them. <laughs> this, this definitely feels like an all-star cast, you know? Like, I know when this thing first started um everybody was like we want our ogs this has a fine tune and a fine little mix of og and then you got you know some naysayers that'll be like oh well this person debuted in 2015 what are they doing here but one thing that is certain though is technically by all accounts everybody on this thing is from either the real world or road rules so they fit the criteria but it is an all-star cast i can't lie this definitely has the feeling of just when you think all star, yeah, this thing is stacked. Oh, when I look at the job, when I got there, man, I'm like, holy! Look at look at these dudes. Like the man meat is a problem on this show. The guy side's a meat grinder, bro. I'm looking. I'm like, this is gonna be like, this ain't gonna be easy win for nobody. So whatever takes place and goes down, you're gonna be competing on the daily. I'm hoping to get some some funner type events because uh, if we gotta clash heads. <laughs> Not gonna be good. <laughs> Glad I've been working out, working on my endurance too. That's for sure. Because um, I don't know, man. It 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 feels feels like the challenge. That's all I can say. <laughs> Do you like the sport direction in which the show's kind of gone? Because obviously you debuted in an era where it was mostly reality, whereas like now, I mean, it's competitions taking a little more precedence. Do you like that, or you think fifty fifty balance is uh, a nice little thing? I mean, I'm, I just like to compete at whatever it is, man. So for me, yes, it is a little more physically inclined, which is cool. Um, but if it was half physical and half, like, mental, you know, I don't know. I like the turn it's taken. It could be a little less heighty, if you yeah. will. I'm not so keen to the heights. <laughs> um, but also, it's a good show because they kind of hone in on your fears as well as challenging you. And so that's the whole thing. Like, they know our biggest fears, and they can create challenges around that, which is what they used to do. I'm not sure if they do it as much nowadays, but that's one of those things they hold in their pocket. You never want people to know that you're claustrophobic, like me. You never want people to know you hate heights, like me. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's, it's always been that kind of thing. And um, still to this day, you're driving through any city. I see a big crane. I get a little freaked out, bro, because you feel like you're about to go do a challenge, about to jump off that. <laughs> So that I mean that's just that's yeah like challenge itis is what I call it challenge itis I like that I relate everything to the challenge you know everything's a challenge I don't care what we're doing we're lacing our shoes I want to be fast as shoelacer like me and my girl go at it all day she actually beat me in the three point competition never happened again wow no shit you got me dude <laughs> I would never have expected that Si I've always seen you on the court on your social media I feel like you know. My girl's an all-around athlete, though, bro. She does it all. She was a college athlete, too, who broke, I think it's the femur. 
And so she, there's certain things that she doesn't want to do, but she boxes every day. I'm sure you see her on my feet. Oh, yeah. Steady boxer. Um, softball, she's a beast. She got me playing softball now. Um, she's definitely got a shot. She can't play. She can't move, but she got a shot. <laughs> she's not listening. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, she's uh, – she, she, I'm truly being challenged across the board with this woman in everyday life. And that's what I love. I love that about the challenge of life as well. So keeps you on your feet, bro. I mean, she's defending her PhD. Like, how am I supposed to outthink that? And it's in philosophy at that. Ooh. Like, yeah. yeah. You, you, the conversations you. we be having, bro. Let me tell you, I had to bring out my hood as my cybonics. Try to shift her a little bit to show that I am crafty as can be. <laughs> Since we're on the topic of bowling, my favorite moment probably of yours from your real world season was the relationship that you got in with the uh, with the mother of the one kid at the job you guys are working at. Because if we're talking about a baller moment, I mean, that's that's a baller moment in its finest. I'll, I'll say now what I said then. At that time, put into context. I was the just graduated school. I've been playing ball, stand out athlete my entire life. You know, always had my way with the ladies. It was what it was. And I figured I'm walking to this after school center. There's like 75 parents of the 75. There's like 50 single moms. My mentality was I could pull off. I could pull at least half of them minimum. Yeah. And one happened to be a friend. We ended up being friends and she looked out me for some business stuff and we became friends and hung out a little more than they wanted us to um still friends i saw her son not that long ago we communicate online wow. too he's now like six four jeez six, seven, he might whatever. be a baller i'll give him buckets i'm gonna trip him on that but uh <laughs> <laughs> point being man i'm real with it you know if we're really friends we're friends and you know there's no like in between the fans or butts about that and the show is trying to make it way more than it was that was bullshit. We had a good time together. It is what it is. Um, there was no like disrespectful things taking place and all that. And the house thought that. And you know, it's one of those weird situations. But like, you asked Montana about this stuff. Yeah, I asked her yeah. about her with the alcohol thing with. Uh... Because they tried to make it seem like I was a bad guy for doing what I did, which harmed no one. But you're gonna hand a little child some alcohol and say, "Oh, I give it to my kid if it was my kid." I don't think so. I mean, I wouldn't put it faster, but I'm just saying you can't back then. You couldn't do that kind of thing with other people's kids. You just couldn't. No, that's like, a, that's like an inexcusable offense. I feel like not to not I to think, like shed light I think on it, but actually be locked up for that. Yeah, that's because so. think about it. If one of our kids, right, you're depending on people that you essentially don't know and you're sending them to be watched. Right. While say that the parents are at work. And you come to find out when you're picking up the kid that the people that are supposed to be watching them are serving them alcohol. Like, that's just. But, but I also think there's levels to this because I think on one end, I think they were trying to save money instead of taking us somewhere to eat. We went to where it was going to be free and they invited us to. But and there happened to be alcohol sitting out as opposed to going and buying it at a restaurant or something. And there would have been no alcohol there when it had been an option for a kid to do something like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I can't put all the blame on her. But yeah. she did it. I didn't do it. Get her out the house. They tried to get me out. Get her out. <laughs> no, we cool now. She'll be no, She's coming to the event. It's great. Yeah, I had uh, her on a while back, too. 
Have you had Jason on yet, Cornwell? No, I think you two are from Boston and the only two I've had on this. You get Cornwell on there. He's in casting now to this day. He's one of the only independent casting companies in Los Angeles doing big things. Okay. I got his contact. I'll, I'll try and link you guys. What, what about Camila? What is she up to? She's a doctor. What do you mean? She's docking. <laughs> she, she's uh she's doing well man she's out in new york and um I, I believe she's a pediatrician i'm not positive but i think so um god i'm not sure exactly what the title is but i, I think she's a pediatrician um, but she is in new york and she's doing well with her family um i believe husband and kids and uh yeah things are good man things are good so i'm gonna ask you now when you think back to real world boston and this let's bring you back si you could pinpoint like so when you think back to your time on that show and the memories start to flood back what's like one or two memories that if you were to meet someone at a bar and they ask you what was like your time on the real world boston like like what would you what would you tell them i would say it was six months of complete debauchery and raging consider there's like 60 colleges in a 30 mile radius bro and it was the first time they aired what we looked like where we lived and what we were doing in their city. It was insane, bro. I raged for a total of not two weeks, almost two weeks. The entire six months was the only time I didn't go out. I was out of my mind. And I was always that guy. You give me an inch, I'm definitely going to take a mile. <laughs> That's the way it was, man. We had a good time there. There was moments where they don't show you guys, but like our lives were threatened. Uh, my by, outs- by outsiders? Oh, yeah. You had, so what you had was a, a really weird fishbowl vacuum kind of thing. And we're like in this fishbowl and everyone's sitting there looking at us. And like because everyone wants to look at us, you've got some dudes that are going to hate because women are looking at us. Yeah. And dudes are always the ones that cause trouble. And so you had like these dudes that either worked for these women, had these one on their team or were like dating someone. They go crazy because we walked in the room. He's pissed. So if some reason we don't respect them or what they do, then we got a problem. And this happened all the time. So, like, since then, I would, one of my things has always been show up at the club. If you're in some little town or big town, wherever you're at, you acknowledge who the dudes are that run the spot. You know, go over, say what's up, extend some hospitality. I'll go get 10 shots, bring them over, your fellas. Hit some shots on me, just have a little bit. So they don't think, I think that I'm better than them. And that's true to we, me as me. That's always made me me. This is what's kept me touring for so long and so all over the place because I present myself with respect to these people that may not even deserve the respect, but might take your fucking head off if you don't. And um, there's been so many cast members that have been in fights at events and all that stuff. I've never had that. And I've done, I probably worked twice as much as anyone else you can imagine. It's like those locations, man, like the Boston. Uh, I know I had MJ on yesterday. We were talking about Philly was like brutal with them. They used to like line up in front of the Starbucks across the street from where their house was. And they actually got like a, a, one of the people in a bar, like threw a stool at Landon and MJ while they're at a bar. That was all the time. But like they came along a little later, like earlier in the game when I was there, like there's cameramen that have had to put cameras down and knuckle up. Like, there's places where I would not have gotten out of. Did you guys have, like, heavy security back at that time? No, bro. There was no no security at all. It was us and the camera people. Production. Wow. It. So you got to understand, like, we were in, like, I was like, 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 look, if you want to keep going to this 
spot. It was Bill's Bar on Hip Hop Night. Fuck, we don't know what's going to happen to you. <laughs> and that's real. Like, you just... And it, deal. I, I had some homies out there that did their thing. And so, you know, when I run, ran alone, I'd be in a nice little group. And it just was what it was. But it was all—it was a complete free-for-all, complete shit show. In a double-edged sword type of way, of course, like, you don't want to be, like, put in a position like that. But for the audience watching it, that is reality. Like, this shit's going to happen. But the only reality of it, though, the reality of it is that they probably wouldn't be doing that if the camera wasn't there. So that's reality with the camera there, yes. Is it real? Yes. But it's only real because the camera's there. And so that's where people have to understand. The real world is real when you have a camera on you. So it's real because there's a camera on you. And it's real because they're not telling us what to do. But it's real with the camera. There's a difference between real with the camera and real without a camera. You know, I, I like your method, man. You got a counterpoint to my... Uh... <laughs> to my one-two punches each time. Got to, and you got to look like, like also like when my show dropped, not the show, but I was the top hundred reasons why to watch television. I think I was number forty-seven um, in Rolling Stone magazine. I did a huge thing on the top hundred reasons why to watch television. I was either just after OJ. He's either right around OJ or um or uh, I think it was the year Scream came out. What's the chick's name? Uh, was it Screen? The, with she's the, on 90210. The blondes from 90210. I forget her name. But she's on the album, on the cover of it. And there's like, she's like in the shower with a shower curtain pulled here. And she's like doing one of these. And like it's from Scream or one of those. Maybe not Scream. But I think it was Scream. One of those shows was right in front of me. But whatever it was came out that year. Um, that was 97. So, yeah. I had a good time. Was OJ? You said OJ was on it? Mm-hmm. Well, it was in the top 100 reasons why to watch television. So oh, that's that was got to be a reason to watch television back then. It's one of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Just one of those. I remember the, I still have the article at home. So damn. It's somewhere on my it's on my social media, too. I posted it before. Yeah. And you just got into the Rock Hall of Fame, too, for 2022. I mean, I, I wish I had, but Eminem had. <laughs> Not me. That's Eminem. I wish I was in the Rock Hall of Fame. I'd knock him the fuck out. <laughs> And I had to give Julie her props, too, because she was in the video. Puck and yeah, Julie were in the video with me as well. But I was the one that got to knock him out. I guess I looked a little tougher than than, uh, than Puck. Yeah, Puck, Puck, was, Puck was just kind of like the hype man. He was... <laughs> <laughs> it was a good time. That was a good day, man. That was a good day. What was it like working with Eminem? Like, meeting him for the first time? You know, when I got the call, I thought it was fake, bro. Um did that go directly to you, or did you guys have, like, those managers or, like, assistants back then that would, like... It came... There was managers, but this came to me some kind of way. I mean, the problem is, like, someone like me, I know so many people in the businesses, television, music, all that stuff in L.A., to where people can get your phone number. Um, and I don't... I've been in casting for so long, too. Like, my number's out there. I don't hide my number. Everyone has my damn number. People call me all the time. Randoms from some show I cast them on in, you know, 10 years ago. But it is what it is. And so I got a phone call and it was just, you know, you're going to do this show. What are we going to do? Kind of thing. Wow. And, um, yeah. I mean, that was when I was doing still doing video games at that time. I started in a couple basketball games. I don't know if you know that. Mm. But I'm in the N one video game and I'm in Street Hoops as well. And I made the March Madness franchise. Did a bunch of those uh, with EA Sports and and uh, and um, what's Tony Hawk's companies with? Activision. 
Um, so I did both of those for quite some time, and, and a couple of the games got awards. That was real cool. I worked with Black Ops Entertainment back then. Just I was a busy guy, dude, and I try and stay busy now. Hopefully, y'all can check out my podcast, though. Expletive Happens. That, that's a nice plug. Go check that one out. Yeah, you got to go check it out, dog. I got some people coming up, some good folk coming up, too, bro. Yeah, some really yeah. good people coming up on the show. Yeah, yeah. Hey, man, whatever we could do to support each other, man, I'm always about uplifting people. So I know we're oh, both uh, doing some good things. I but uh, whenever that song by Eminem comes on, I think it, like, just ironically came on. Uh, it was weird. It was the, the timing was really weird, too, because I had Julie on two weeks ago, and yeah. we talked about it. And I was, you know, in, it was a late night. I was coming home, and ironically, the song came on on the radio. And then I just – it didn't even register in my head that I was listening to that song. Yeah. But I just turned it up. And then now, whenever I listen to that song, I just think of you and her. Like yeah. that's, you know, like when certain songs come on and then there's oh, yeah. images that pop in your head. Whenever mm-hmm. certain lyrics hit in that song, I immediately, my mind just goes to you hitting Eminem and then Julie smiling afterwards every time. Yeah. That joint's crazy, man. That was video of the year that year, too. I remember at the Music Awards, it won video of the year and it was being played so much and so often. It literally helped my career a lot at that time. It's I don't way- think. I don't think people realize the amount of rub. Like, the, I mean, people, the newer fans, I don't think realize how much rub the real world was getting. Like back when the glory, no I, I call it, I call it the glory days back during uh, your era of the shows. That's what I I would consider the glory days. I mean, I've been called worse. There's nothing wrong with that. I love it. I love it. The glory days. <laughs> I mean, I was called the reality TV pioneer. <laughs> okay. I mean, that sounds old sticks. as hell, though. I mean, it's better than being called a godfather, though, right? Or a grandpa or something like that. I mean, godfather's pretty dope. I, I, <laughs> I call myself the royality. I'm the royal reality head, basically. So. Well, that's a good name. And I'm mad in several different shows that I've pitched and that I'm trying to get sold and picked up out there now. But stay tuned. I got some amazing things on the horizon, bro. Just got an amazing call. Yesterday, I got an amazing call. And... um projects and things are just moving right now i'm truly blessed man i i believe in the power of positive thinking and i do my positive thinking in the morning uh afternoon and nighttime and and i'm telling you man i love life to the fullest bro and i could not be a happier person right now yeah man i mean i'm happy for everything that you're doing i got i got another question though because i talk to a lot of uh challengers that you know, are making their returns onto the All-Stars now that we're doing the original challenges. I always ask them, like, was the challenge back before the challenge, like how it is now, did you seriously have to train for these things or were people more so worried about the aesthetics? You know what? They didn't give me enough time to really train on like three of those challenges. Like I was off a tour raging like this. And they're like, sorry, you want to go to challenge? I'm like, what? Uh, yeah, when are we leaving? Three weeks. Shit. And you just go. So if you're partying up to that point, you're not going to just stop partying. It's like, whatever, I'll rage on until I leave. And then get on the plane and rage on the plane, too. Go on to the challenge. So I didn't. I wasn't that guy. Um, I was still very much cocky because I was able to go play ball and still excel at it. I felt like I could do anything. Um, yeah. The challenge that I actually won, I was at my heaviest. Wow. And I, I mean, I was raging balls. I 
hit a jackpot in Miami. Um, I won, was it a hundred and like $55,000 on a slot machine. Uh, I just moved out there asleep with my hand on a button on the slot machine. And I mean, I was partying on another level, literally talking three or four lunches and three or four dinners every day. I was just raging. dude. My, my favorite season of yours that you did as a whole. And I feel like this is one of the more underrated seasons ever was the gauntlet two in uh, Trinidad and Tobago. The cast, the challenges, chef's kiss, brother. That was... It was dope. I got my ass whooped, but it was dope. There, <laughs> But you can't even lie. Like TJ's ass, but you know. <laughs> walk, walk me through that. Did they... I'm not sure. I know we saw on the reunion that clip between you and him. They, like, talked about it. I watched that elimination, I think, the other day. I don't know if I missed it or not, but they did they show it on the original cut? Do you know? I think they did. I mean, I, I felt like his right hand had gone out before I, thought, I touched bro, down. I saw that, too, and I thought the it's same true. exact thing. It's true. Yeah, 100%. But I, I'll, I'll set it up for you, though. You know, when you play basketball, the referee's moving all around, right? Yeah. Up and down. He's getting in there. And to see someone judging an event from over there, <laughs> not even getting up in there, bro, I lost it. You know, and he understands from athlete to athlete, he understands where I was at. I was annoyed and angry, had nothing to do with him. It wasn't personal. And we've talked about it since, but it's like. And it, the only time I get mad. Two, two times. On the basketball court, which is in the heat of battle <laughs> or like driving in L.A. <laughs> which I hear is pretty rough. It's cool because I just talk a lot of shit about people, though. That's how <laughs> I leave things. I'm talking mad shit. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, he understands that I'm competing and he's competing. And we've had nothing but positive things to say to each other since then. And I think he knows it wasn't directed per se at him. It was a situation. I felt one way. He felt another way. Two men will clash when we get like that. And it was early on in his career, too. Oh, yeah. He was. I think that might have been like his maybe second or third challenge or something like that at the time i'm not sure exactly but yeah yeah we need one of the challenge stat people to come fact check us once this thing's out <laughs> yeah they're gonna call us out i'm sure yeah 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 we'll, we'll be here in the end of this <laughs> well uh i had a fun time chatting with you today cyrus um i'm glad that uh we got to finally knock this thing out you got a lot of great things that are currently happening for you and are on the horizon so for those that have tuned in you could find him on instagram at cyrus mtv he's got his podcast which is expletive expletive happens, happens. So it's, all on, it's all on my ig you can hit the little link tree and it pops up right there um Explosive Happens podcast. Check it out. It's on all forms of where you find podcasts at. Um, also, check out my new entertainment company. If you guys are looking to have a party, do an event, anything like that, I do them in all 50 states um, and a couple other countries, too. It's RizzaEntertainment.com. RizzaEntertainmentLLC.com. Sorry. But that's also on there, too. Um, R-Z-A EntertainmentLLC.com. Check it out. I can put together an event for you. Or you can book me out to be a host or MC or the wife. He's a DJ as well. We do all that. We are a one-stop shop for all that is entertainment. Um, and stay tuned for my future projects. Uh, they're coming, y'all. They're coming. 2022 is going to be on fire. But 2023? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Muscles back for y'all, too. I'm going to go to the gym <laughs> right now and get right. 
Mike, I saw you over there. I saw you over there flexing the other day at the gym too, man. Oh yeah. Hear me. You know you how I got for the next challenge, bro? You got a fresh meat coming up or something? What's up? They better call me, bro. Would you do one? Probably. I, I don't know if uh, I would pursue like the current reality television, but if it were to fall on my lap, I would definitely be like 100% and be like on one of those fresh meat things. Yeah. I'll keep that in mind when I'm casting because I cast for different shows. Even right now, I'm casting for some things. So. All right. I'll let you know. You let I'm me sure. know. Always sure a pleasure to be here, man. Uh, anytime you want me, I'm here. I know it was a little challenging with hooking up this time, but let's do it. I also have some celebrity basketball games coming up and some celebrity parties coming up that people can join. If you guys want to come to the party, check out the Eventbrite. It's on my um, it's on my IG, too. Click on the button. Um, I have a VIP package for everyone, too. That's what you really want, but you got to contact me for the VIP package. It's not being sold on there. Hi, it's your boy, Cyrus, a.k.a. used to be Big Side Baby. Now they call me Half a Side Baby. It's going down in a big way. <laughs> Mike, my pleasure, man. Take care. Have a good weekend. You too.